You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, there is uh, new news coming out just about every second here, and so I'm not going to be able to keep up on absolutely everything. I mean, Matt LaFleur is currently at the podium talking. I started listening to it, but I was like, we, we just got to get started here. Obviously, over the next several days or weeks or whatever, we'll be able to... Uh, but before we get into that... Um, just want to say thank you to everybody that participated in the, uh, live stream. That was a three day extravaganza. It was one of the most fun streams. I think we've, uh, we've done certainly the fastest. It flew by, man. It was unbelievable because that is an absolute, I mean, the last day is seven hours. What is, what is day one? Is it two hours? What's it? Seven, eight, uh, three hours. Day two is like what? Four hours, something like that. So between like 12 and 14 hours or something of, of streaming is pretty much complete insanity. But um, no, it was just a lot of fun. Everybody that was not only just on the stream, but in the comments section, it seemed like the whole production was, it was just a group effort between the guys that were sitting on the screen and the guys that were off the screen uh, making the comments. So thank you to everybody that hung out, made it a lot of fun for me. Also, be sure to check out that sweet merch. We got the Thomas Austin left cheek, uh, you know, I mean, if you know, you know. Uh, Thomas Austin Apparel and uh, a Lucas Van Ness shirt that is now up. I'm, I'm going to get something up for each of our draft prospects, but Lucas Van Ness is ready to rock and roll. But I guess let's just uh, start cutting through the picks. That'll probably take up the entire time. Again, this will just be a, you know, 3,000-foot overview just to kind of reacclimate. And, and again, very similar to what I said yesterday. Listen, I have... Let me check. I had 43 guys on my like and love list. Zero were Green Bay Packers. Not even one of 43. Granted, the, the, the average you would expect would be one. But dang, that stings, man. Um, and, and as somebody who has become much more of a positive Packer fan, I hate to be the only party pooper. <laughs> For a bunch of people that are so excited. And I'm not gonna be, because I haven't even watched any of these guys. I'm just saying I'm sad. I'm a little sad, because of all the guys I went and looked at, they didn't pick any of them. 
And everybody they did pick that I did watch was not on my I like this guy list. That's what makes it hard for me. Um, but again, just kind of stepping back, and why don't we why don't we look at we're not gonna recap um days one and two, but we'll we'll just run through every single pick. And boy, were there ever a lot of picks. But we started off with Lucas Van Ness, pass rusher, Luke Musgrave, tight end, Jaden Reed, wide receiver, Tucker Kraft, tight end, Colby Wooden. We'll just call him pass rushers. There's a whole bunch of like I'm not so sure pass rusher. Sean Clifford, quarterback. Dontavion Wicks, wide receiver. Carl Brooks, pass rusher. Anderson Carlson, kicker. Uh, Carrington Valentine, cornerback. Lou Nichols, running back. Anthony Johnson, safety. Grant DuBose, wide receiver. So, we got Van Ness, Wooden, and Carl Brooks, three pass rushers, right? Again, outside, inside, whatever. Let's just call them big, strong men that are going to go up along the defensive front. All three of them, I believe, are very interchangeable. But big, strong men on the defensive front would be a good description. Tight ends, we got two of them, but we have already added another one as an undrafted free agent I've seen. But we got two that in the draft. Wide receivers, for the second year in a row, we've tripled up. And actually very similar to last year. Jaden Reed is a second-round pick, just like Christian Watson was. Dontavion Wicks is a fifth-round pick. Romeo Dobbs was fourth. And then Grant DuBose is a seventh-round pick. And not only that, he is the fourth pick in the seventh round, which is what I believe Samori Ture was. He was pick number four in the seventh round. So in back-to-back years, we got tripled up at wide receiver. And this year, we doubled up at tight end. That's five pass catchers in this draft. I mean, that, and that's one of the benefits of having this many picks is you, you really can't look at it and say, well, you didn't address this need. What need didn't we address? Offensive line? Maybe, even though we have a starting offensive line. Could be improved, but it's, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a need, especially considering the amount of depth that we have. It's one of those things where either do it early and find a starter or don't bother. We need wide receiver help. We got three of them. We need tight end help. We got two of them. Could use another running back. We got one. Could use another quarterback. We got one. Needed safety help. We got it. We got a corner. We, I mean, for depth purposes. Didn't get a linebacker. So unless you're really, you know, banging the drum for that, I don't know what else there would be to be too upset about. So five pass catchers, two DBs, three pass rushers, a quarterback, and a kicker. Is that is that about it? I mean, it was it was obvious the intention coming in, right? In terms of areas that that we're going to hammer. And that is, we are going to get this defensive line going. You know, the run... I mean, you got to understand, it's not just pass rush, it's run defense. Um, Which has been a problem for the Green Bay Packers for, you know, I don't know, since the Reggie White days. (laughs) Been a while. So, look, it is what it is. And, and, you know, you can look at it and say, well, we could have done this or that. But at least until we figure out the quality of the players, I don't know that you can just look positionally and say this is a terrible draft. Um... You know, everybody that was upset about, you need to get Jordan help. Good Lord, did he get help. Um, the only thing that I could think you'd be really upset about is we desperately need safety help and we didn't really get it, um, which is a relatively fair critique. But look, I mean, the, the first couple rounds are the only rounds you really expect any kind of high-end play. After that, it becomes kind of a crapshoot. How many positions do you demand get filled? in the draft. I demand a safety, okay? So should we have taken that instead of Lucas Mus- or Luke Musgrave? I mean, maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. 
I'm sure there is some magical combination somewhere in terms of perfect positional value that could have been better. But just looking at it, you got to be a little bit excited, right? We got the the flashy pass rushers on one side and the flashy uh, pass catchers on the other side. It's all the fun stuff. And we got a lot of the guys that ended up falling just like last year, which is exciting, right? Carl Brooks was a fantastic pick. In fact, one of the other things that's kind of fun, and I need to go back and see what I said about a couple of these guys. Maybe Carl Brooks is the only one. I don't know. But I went back and listened to what I said about Carl Brooks because I did listen to him. I didn't put him on my like list, but it was largely due to the fact that I didn't know what to do with him because he's a 300-pound edge rusher, right? So he's, he's, I liked him better as an edge rusher, but he can't be 300 pounds. And again, I won't repeat the same diatribe as yesterday about, you know, process and we don't know and can't just believe what the media says and all that stuff. But it just comes back to nobody knows how these guys are going to perform. We can choose to find media members that didn't like them and say, you know, PFF, for example, every single pick we had, you go look at PFF and they're like, this is trash. But if you look at Dane Brugler, he had all our picks really, like we got great value for almost every single pick. All of our seventh rounders, he had his like fifth rounders. All of our fifth rounders, he had his like fourth rounders. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. So you can choose to find somebody that doesn't like the draft or you can just understand the vision that the Packers are trying to see and have faith that it's going to happen because you're a freaking Packers fan. Or, of course, just make your own assessment because you want to. But, you know, again, just understand that you're upset because you're choosing to believe in your own scouting abilities over that of the entire Green Bay Packers staff. Just saying. Do what you want to do. But so we're clear. And please don't fight with me on Twitter about how everybody knows it's a bad pick or blah, blah, blah. Just shut up because I'm just going to freak out on you. It's so stupid and I'm not dealing with it. Anyways, let's start off with the first pick on day three. Pick 14 of the fourth round, Colby Wooden, edge rusher, defensive tackle-ish linebackery thing out of Auburn. Listed as a defensive tackle at six foot, that's funny, our defensive tackle is lighter than our edge rusher. Six foot four, 273, I think he got his weight up to about 283, and that weight continues to go up as they do plan on moving him inside, I think, primarily. But uh, defensive tackle number 10 via Dane Brugler's board. I didn't get a chance to watch him very much, but I did post a uh, a video of him on Twitter. I watched a little bit during the live stream, found a play that I really liked, and uh, put that on there if you wanted to find that. But 22 years old, originally grew up in Atlanta. Uh, he was high school teammates with Clemson cornerback Andrew Booth. He was a four-star recruit. His dad played football for Louisiana Tech from 90 to 93. Younger brother Caleb is a defensive back at Auburn who just completed his true freshman season. Because we got a little bit more to cover, I won't go through everything, but I'll read his summary here again. Uh, Wooden isn't consistently disruptive when rushing from the outside, but he can set the edge or reduce down where his rush skills are more effective in the interior. He offers position flexibility as a rotational base end or three technique as an NFL rookie capable of ascending to a starter. So that positional versatility is obviously something the Packers were really looking into this year when you look at Lucas Van Ness, when you look at Wooden, when you look at Carl Brooks, these are guys that, I mean, you want to talk about just a heavy, continual defensive line rotation where you can have guys on the inside, on the outside. You know, Clayton was talking about how he thinks it makes the most sense to have Lucas Van Ness start off on the inside because that's where he's at his best for now. And the great thing about it is you've got to, even if that's what you decide and you're like, you know what, he's going to stay inside. The great thing is if something comes up, you got an injury, you got whatever, you're not doomed. You just say, all right, dude, you're up and he gets kicked outside or on a play-to-play basis, or whatever. I mean, it's just the fact that they can, you know? But had him as a third, fourth round grade. 
Pretty consistent over his four years, 70, 70, 80, 70, more or less, I'm rounding. Even on a week-to-week basis, pretty much straight 70s. Um, did have a couple down weeks. LSU was a 50. Alabama was a 48, which is always kind of scary because you're going up against, you know, San Jose State and Mercer and some other teams that are not, you know, Western Kentucky. Those are some of your best games. And then when you go up against real competition, you plummet. But um, even against LSU, he had five pressures in a sack. So, you know, there might have been struggles, but he is still he's still in the mix. I'll say this too about Colby Wooden. If you go searching around and doesn't do any good for me to play it on the podcast or whatever, but uh, there's several videos sort of mic'd up type things. He seems like a really fun guy, like real fun kind of attitude. There was one of the clips in uh, one of these videos. They're playing a, a practice and he's going to get the quarterback and he ends up wrapping up the ball boy. <laughs> like he's going to sack the ball boy and the ball boy looked terrified. Like, why are you doing this to me? But just a fun dude, you know, he's goofing around, but, but he's a worker too. You know, I'm not talking about being a slacker who just doesn't care or whatever, but he just seems like a fun guy. Like he's going to bring a fun energy. Um, but just, I mean, he's a scary man, scary and powerful human being. And yes, as always, Colby Wooden also has a blocked punt. So add another special teams player to the list. Um, he was asked about some stuff. You know, he says, well, yeah, I guess the video isn't up yet, but we'll, we'll maybe do it tomorrow. So I'll just give you the quote. It says, um, coming from Auburn, I know we got Rudy Ford up there, and I definitely watch Rashawn Gary coming off the edge, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark. I watch all those guys, watched all their film, watched all their tape, try to use some of the things they do. It's cool because some of these guys, they don't know. You, you They'll ask, like, what do you know about Green Bay? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, the storied franchise, the franchise cheese and historic, historicity in the cheese and it's uh it's wisconsin right yeah uh green and yellow love the greens and all the yellows and the cheeses in the history so you know it's like you don't know a freaking thing i remember this is a long time ago but we drafted a one guy one time he came in for uh rookie camp and they kept telling him about all the stuff you know about lambo and um he said all day they kept talking about lambo 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 He's like why do they keep talking about a car i don't understand he thought they were talking about a Lamborghini. He had he didn't even know what Lambo was. Lambo Field, Curly Lambo, nothing. The whole day they're talking about Lambo. He wants to know why they're talking about a car. So some of these guys they don't know. So it is cool when people talk about him. He's like, oh yeah, dude, Rudy Ford's up there. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark. Like he knows the guys on this defense. He's been watching them. He's been studying them. He knows what's up. I love that. I appreciate that. As usual, and this is going to be a theme throughout. Nine point two four RAS. Assistant Director of College Scouting, Patrick Moore is the guy that talked about him. Um, he said Colby Wooden can play the A gap, the B gap, the C gap. He says he has the ability to play multiple spots because his frame and athletic ability, he's an inside pass rush threat for sure. But um, I, I guess the final thing, because we got to, I guess, pick up as much as I want to talk all day, pick up the pace to get through all these guys. But one of the most important things, obviously, are going to be his pressure statistics. He had 35 pressures on 371 attempts. Obviously, that's well below what you're looking for. He added six sacks to that. The year before that, he did have 41 on 352, which is obviously a little bit better. But I think the biggest thing with with him and pretty much all these guys, I mean, really all three of the guys that we got, they're just really big and really powerful. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them provide a little bit more maybe as run defenders to start. I know he's got better pass rush grades and all that. I don't care. I'm, I'm just saying... We have beefed up our defensive line with big, massive human beings. And I think maybe, especially early on, maybe provide a little bit more in the run defense category as they continue to develop that pass rush. Anyways, the next pick in the draft, 
was quarterback Sean Clifford out of Penn State. Seemed like a lot of people were upset by it. Um, I'm guessing it's not even necessarily because he's a quarterback, because we all knew that this was a possibility and also borderline likely to happen. I think it's just the fact that Sean Clifford was on nobody's radar. But that should really come as no surprise, because that's what the Packers have done this whole time. That's the position I wanted, just not really the guy I wanted. But Sean Clifford, uh, 9.04 RAS, another athletic guy. He can definitely take off and run, which actually is one of the biggest liabilities he actually has, is he knows he can use his legs. I'm not talking 4-3 speed. I'm just saying, you know, quick quarterback speed, Jordan Lovish speed. But he tends to want to take off maybe a little bit too early. But anyways, uh, Sean Clifford... As the one guy, Dane Brugler, I think one of one guy or one of the only guys that Dane Brugler didn't necessarily like, had him as the 20th ranked quarterback, listed him as a priority free agent, six foot two, 218 pounds from Cincinnati, Ohio, 24.7 years old. Uh, his younger brother Liam is also on the Penn State roster. He was a four-star recruit, committed to Penn State over several SEC offers and became the Nittany Lions' all-time leader in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and completion percentage. Good Lord. I didn't even know that. <laughs> that seems impressive. I mean, part of it is how long he was there, but still, that's, uh, that's pretty wild. 10,661 yards, 86 touchdowns. What was the other thing? Oh, completion percentage, 61.4%, which is quite high. The last season was 64.4. He also had... Uh, 388 rushing attempts for 1,073 yards and 15 touchdowns in his career. But it says, overall, Clifford throws well on the move, and NFL teams love his toughness and smarts, but his current decision-making and ball placement are too inconsistent for what is required at the next level. Not a ton about him. Um, He's certainly an accomplished quarterback. He's been there. He's done some great things, broke a lot of records. He actually um, apparently was in a quarterback competition at Penn State with Will Levis and won the job. Hence, Will Levis leaving and going somewhere else. And I'm guessing this was supposed to be the big redemption story, but now it just seems like a big we'll see. Um, The biggest thing with him, I mean, toughness is a big thing that comes up, but intelligence, I think, is the biggest thing. Matt LaFleur made reference to that, being that that was one of the main reasons they brought him in, is his football IQ. Supposedly one of the smartest football minds in the entire class, which obviously is going to be helpful, because what is his job going to be as a backup quarterback? All right, before we get all huffy about, you know, his touchdown to interception ratio or whatever the case may be, understand his role. He's the clipboard guy. He's got the biggest brain of any quarterback in the class, according to some. This is what Jacob Morley on Twitter wrote. Sean Clifford was added to be a big brain in that quarterback room. Uh, was told he is one of the smartest football minds in the class. Will add a ton of value Monday through Saturday, helping to get your young quarterback ready. He was not drafted to ever be a starter, in my opinion. He was drafted to be the number two quarterback, and that's what he's going to be. Bill Hendrickson says he's got some game in him, which again, obviously he does. He says uh, he's played in big games. The kid comes into the environment in Lambeau. It's not going to be too big for him. We got him in a good spot where we valued him. And again, everybody's looking at it and saying, this is so stupid. He was not a good value here. This is trash. Nobody thought this. The Packers did. Let me just ask you, put Gutekunst aside, do you freaking know who Milt Hendrickson is? Do you have any idea the reputation that guy has in the NFL draft community? I freaking dare you to go get into a room full of, of GMs and scouts and NFL guys and, and utter the phrase, yeah, that Milt Hendrickson is a real freaking idiot. He thought Sean Clifford was a good value in the fifth round. You're going to get all kinds of looks. Again, this isn't me saying that they must be right. I guess what I'm saying is I'm just tired of Twitter 
making comments like they could have got him as an undrafted free agent. Right. Why did you think that? Because you assumed nobody would take him, but a team did take him. So now you shouldn't assume that anymore, but yet you're still assuming it. So instead of saying, well, maybe some people actually liked him, we, we, we moved to, no, I was right the first time, except it's just the Packers now. You're the only one. Everybody knew. Come on, man. Stop, please. I don't want to have to keep saying the same thing over and over again. You're freaking annoying. <laughs> Stop it. But anyway, Sean Clifford is a guy that I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know a ton about him. I don't know that we're going to learn a ton about him. But um, I'm excited to go back and watch a little bit about uh, what he's done. But with that, let's move on to the next prospect. That brings us to Dontavion Wicks, probably one of my least favorite prospects that I watch <laughs> of anybody. Again, if you're asking me my opinion based on my scouting prowess, this is a garbage draft. But I don't care what my opinion is necessarily. It makes me sad, but, you know, I'll get over it and just hope that I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe that's an unfair assessment. Anyways, he- here is what I said about him. So I'll be honest, I tried to get there. When I first started, I watched the guy, and I thought, this is the worst wide receiver that I've seen. I mean, there's nothing redeemable here whatsoever. And then he ran that one route, and it's like, oh, hello. Then he did it again, and it's like, all right, there might be something here. He's got that shiftiness that makes you go, I bet he's got a really good three cone. Just plant that one foot and get inside real fast. He was able to shimmy shake his way open a couple times. The problem is, first of all, it was it was far too few times. A lot of times he's just doing this little, like, no plan going into how I'm going to get open, shake and bake, nonsense, and ends up just plowing into the DB and just looking for a flag. Like, what are you doing? Then you look at his four six two speed. And i got to be honest, this might sound absurd to some people. Without even reading into um, any scouting reports or whatever, my first thought that comes to mind is, how much does he want it? He's got some incredible ability that he's not putting on the field, not even once this past year. He's a guy that wanted to play basketball his entire life but couldn't quite cut it as a basketball player. He was forced into football by his brother, didn't want to play. Turns out he's really good at it, but does he even like it? Then you look at his drop issues, his fumble issues. These are concentration issues. You look at him having no route running plan whatsoever. He's not trying. This is a guy just going out there just freestyling, hoping that things fall into place. So I, I don't, I, even when I tried to get myself to say, you know, maybe if you can get a commitment and say this guy's all the way in and, and he, you can commit to him actually putting his best foot forward, what is his best foot forward? He's 6'1", 206, runs a 4'6'2". He's going to play like a small tight end. He's going to get that quick cut and just, you know, get the ball in there, timing route type thing. Because even the few times he does get open, the recovery from the cornerback is easy. So I, I just, there's there's nothing here for me. I see it. I see the little. I see the little shimmy shake. I see that nice little route. Usually, when I see that, that little jaw dropping thing, I'm all the way in. But there's just too much here to be like. I don't know what to do with this. So that that was my thought on him. And again, I I didn't watch everything. There's a lot more tape to go back and watch. Maybe it was a bad game. I don't know. That was the case with I think Lucas Musgrave or whoever. It was. I don't remember who I went back to watch. But it's like we or actually I think it was Lucas Van Ness. I said I didn't like him. And then I go back and look, and the two. Uh, game films I have are two of his four worst games, and it's like, well, that might play into it a little bit. And guys have down games. Maybe they've got an injury. Maybe they've got this. That. I mean, there's a lot of things that can factor into one game. But that ultimately was my takeaway. I didn't like what I saw, but there were glimmers. But even if you can get those glimmers to be more consistent, what's his ceiling? And that was my concern. 
Dontavion Wicks was um, wide receiver number 19, fourth round grade, six foot one, two oh six. He got his four six two time down to a four five seven time, which again we're we're getting into somewhat reasonable territory. There are receivers that run in the four five. Devontae's a four guy, five guy. D Hop's a four five guy, but you know again it, it's just it's you really have to be quite good. And and again the the little glimmers I saw. That's what you got to be if you're going to be a 4-5 guy and win. So it's not impossible. It's just a matter of can he get there, I guess. And it, it, I think it's just kind of a longer road for him to get there. In my opinion, again, this is, this is off the top of my head based on watching like maybe a game. Overall, Wick's evaluation is complicated because of the night and day difference between his 2021 and 2022 performance, but the raw talent is there for him to continue ascending, and he polishes his game. His development potential will understandably capture the interest of NFL teams in the top four rounds. So when I saw that today, that's when uh, another detail came into focus. Like I said, you could watch one game and it maybe wasn't his best game, but it's not just bad game. It was bad year. And it was, I forgot who it was, but somebody from the Packers that went to the podium and talked about him briefly said essentially, it might have been Milt again, essentially the, there was a drop-off in 2022 and the Packers are relying on the 2021 tape, very similar to what happened with Jordan Love. If you watch his, uh, whatever, 2019 tape or whatever, you kind of go, I don't know, but 2018, that's when you really saw it. And so you're focusing on 2018 and saying, that's what he can be. We've seen it. So you got to go back to his 2021 tape to really see what this guy can do. So that's what I'm going to be doing going forward, right? Again, same thing with Jordan Love. I saw one game. I said, this guy is garbage. And then I went back and watched all the games. And I said, I don't know. He's pretty good. But even if we just read a little bit here, it says weaknesses. Struggled to adjust to the new offense in 2022 and saw his production free fall. Down in the summary, it says his senior year was the opposite compared to... So uh, let me read the, the whole part here because it really highlights not only how bad 2022 was, but how good 2021 was. A two-year starter at Virginia, so relatively young and experienced guy, only two years. Wicks was an ex-receiver in head coach Tony Elliott's pro-style spread offense. He put his name on the early round NFL draft radar as a junior with a school record of 1,203 yards, including 27 plays of 20-plus yards. School record. And again, the other thing that's interesting about this, and, and it's the same for the running back we're going to talk about, these scouts are plugged in 24 I mean, they, they know every single one of these guys. They're paying attention to all these guys. There are certain players. I'm thinking Jordan Love and Wicks and all these guys. They start salivating. And maybe it's, maybe it's the wrong thing to do. I don't know. But when they start seeing guys like this that they had complete draft crushes on last year, like, I would freaking love to get that guy. I thought the same thing with Rashawn Gary, to be honest. You know, th- they watched him come out of high school and just thought, could you freaking imagine? Could you imagine if he ever became a Green Bay Packer someday? We do that all the time when you see these guys come out of high school that are generational talents and whatnot, and Rashawn was one of them. Absolute human freaking nature. And so when Rashawn Gary gets to where they are, of course they know what he did in Michigan and all that, but you start talking yourself into it a little bit because you remember, you've been thinking about him every single year and you keep seeing him, you keep remembering when these guys come out. So when you've got a guy, and this isn't obviously to the same level, but Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia in 2021, everybody was watching. All the scouts were watching. All the Packers guys were there when he uh, broke a school record uh, at Virginia. And so, you know, the production dropped and it scared him off a little bit, but they still remembered. They still watched it. They still saw what he could do. And so, yeah, when they got the opportunity, they're like, let's freaking go, dude. You remember that guy? He's still on the board. Are you kidding me? And here I am. I watched one game from a year in which he, his 
uh, everything plummeted, and it's like, I don't know, dude, he probably wants to play basketball or something. Freaking loser. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, we'll see. I don't know. But as usual, Don Tavion Wicks, 917 RAS, just like most of the rest of the guys, even the quarterbacks got the nines. I feel like this might even be higher than usual. I know we always talk about how it's got to be in the nines, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of like a first round thing. We like it later, but it's not as much of a need later. I don't know, man. We were nines pretty much across the board on this one. And again, he ran a 457. You're thinking, I mean, look, he's six foot one. That's not super tall. 206, that's pretty average. And 457 is pretty slow. So his RAS must be pretty bad. Nope. But we'll play this little snippet here from uh, Dontavion Wicks. Oh, yeah, man. It's been a great day. Um, you know, dreams come in reality. Um, you know, I had the mindset no matter where I go, you know, just getting in and work. Um, but, you know, I, I I had a feeling it was going to be Green Bay because um, I did a visit. You know, I had some great conversations with <clears throat> Coach Brable. Um and Coach LaFleur. So, you know, it's it's great news. Um, You know, I'm ready to get to work. So there were a ton of guys this year, especially later on in the draft, like day three, where um, borderline most of them, all of them, close to all of them, were visit guys. So I don't know what the situation was this year, but they they really leaned on conversations that they had. Matt LaFleur was asked about that, and he kind of talked about how important it was to kind of be able to sit down and pick their brain and, and understand, you know, what kind of people they are or whatever. But, I mean, they just went, like, down the line of their visits and um, started grabbing guys. But, yeah, Dontavion Wicks saying he had a feeling it was the Packers because things just went so well with Matt LaFleur and Coach Vrabel. So you always love to hear that. And it does give you a little bit of peace of mind, which makes sense for why the Packers would like it because, you know, w- whatever kind of little red flags, especially character culture type stuff that you would – potentially worry about you know the the work ethic or whatever and again like i like i said with wicks in, in terms of does he have the passion or whatever it's good to know that they brought him in they talked to him they they you know alleviated any and all concerns that they might have had about him and so if they're comfortable with him i'm comfortable with him also another big thing they love taking senior bowl guys they took five guys from the senior bowl last year they took four guys from the senior bowl this year musgrave Jaden reed Dontavion wicks and carl brooks Here's that quote, by the way. We'll do this and then we'll end and get to our break. But um, it was Milt Hendrickson. He said, commenting on his down 2022 season, he said, I think it's a variety of things. There was a staff change while he was there and how he was utilized was changed. Maybe that goes into it a little bit. I just know when you watch the 2021 tape, there was a significant difference. At this point in the draft, when you're taking a player like that, that's what you're hanging your hat on. So (laughs) it's funny how honest he's being. Because on one hand, he's he's kind of leaning into the fact that he doesn't know for sure. I don't know for sure why the production fell. I, I can tell you some things that changed, right? There was a change in the offense. There was a change in his usage. There were some injury issues or whatever. Like, those are things that changed. It's kind of like with Aaron Rodgers. Like, what changed? Well, Devontae left and he broke his thumb. Is that why he had a down year? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Could be. You know, the Jets are looking at it saying, I hope that's what it is, because if not, we might have just screwed ourselves. But you don't know. But then beyond that, he says, at this point in the draft, when you're taking a player like that, that's what you're hanging your hat on. In other words, we're running out of options. But at least in this situation, we've got a guy that showed some serious production in 2021, and we're hanging our hat on the fact that the guy that played in 2021 is the guy that we can see coming in here to Green Bay, that we can get that out of him. And if so, we got a great player. If not, well, swing and a miss, I guess. <laughs> It's just the way she goes. It's the way she goes, Bubbles. 
Anyways, why don't we uh, take a break here? We'll come back and talk about the rest of the picks for the Green Bay Packers. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Next up, we've got Mr. Carl Brooks, defensive tackle, edge rusher, defensive end. It's extraordinaire. He actually had a 5.88 RAS, one of the few that didn't uh, have one of the higher RASs. With that said, he's still most people, I, I shouldn't say most people's favorite, but the, the uh, I'll say the, the pick that has the largest consensus to be a great pick. In fact, I when we drafted him, everybody was super excited, and I'm like, why didn't, you know, I, I obviously said I didn't like him, because I know I, I checked and saw that I listened to him, and I talked about him on the podcast. What is it about this guy I didn't like now? I don't understand. And I went and listened to it, and I actually really did like him, the problem is I didn't know what to do with him because he's an edge rusher that's six foot three, three hundred pounds. Dane Brugler has him listed at six six zero three three two ninety six. Runs a five zero eight forty time. So I watched him and I said, "This guy dominates the guy in front of him. Extremely powerful football player." But what do you do with him? I mean, he plays like an edge rusher. I the the obvious thing is, well, just kick him inside. He's a big, strong, powerful guy. He's 300 pounds. He's an inside. No, he belongs outside. And, and just from what I was watching. But he can't be that big. But if he's not that big, then he's maybe not as powerful. So I, 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 just, I just said, I don't know what you do with a guy like this. But as far as watching him play, yes, very, very strong, powerful guy. I, at this point, wish, because I, I'm so disappointed with the picks, I wish I would have been a little bit more... Um, Maybe created another category or just been a little bit more open. Because there were a lot of guys that I kind of liked or were, were a little bit better than Iffy on that I didn't put on the list because I wanted to keep it more to like, you know, who are the guys I really like and really want? And so when none of those guys hit, it's like, oh, I just, I guess I just hated all these guys. And that's not really the case. But um, another senior bowl guy, Brugler Adam listed as a fifth round prospect. We got him in the sixth. So again, he loved the value there. The five-year starter at Bowling Green, Brooks is primarily a defensive end and former defensive coordinator Eric Lewis is 3-4 base, lining up outside as a 7 technique, head up over the tackle, or inside as a 3 technique. Very few college players can say they led their team in sacks five straight seasons. That's the other thing. You, we get into the PFF stuff. Good freaking Lord. <laughs> I'm just telling you, 
buckle up. You probably remember, we read this before, so that this might stick out to you. But Brooks is one of them, including a prolific senior campaign as one of only six FBS players to finish with 18-plus tackles for loss and 10-plus sacks. With his initial quickness and effort, Brooks should be Bowling Green's first defensive draft pick since 2013. His hands are active but not always efficient, and his sawed-off frame makes it difficult for him to control blockers and stay square. And, th- and that is actually one of the notes that I had said when I watched him, is sometimes it looks like he... You know, some of these really strong guys, they just want to push you out of the way. They don't really have a lot of, like, refined technique. And so it's just like, just go. Like, I'm going to kick my legs, and I'm going to swing my hands around and all this stuff and just want you to move. And sometimes, like, yeah, they'll just push a guy clean out of the way. But sometimes when it's not working, it looks like they're just... I, the, the, the terminology I use, it looks like he's swimming. Like, his arms are just flailing. It's like, what, what are you doing right now? So he says his, his hands are always active, but not always as efficient. But it's a coaching thing. Brooks has a unique package of tools which creates questions about his ideal position fit, but he has a light feet and urgent hands to be a gap disruptor. He projects best as a three technique who can be flexed up and down the line fifth round grade. But as we kick over to PFF, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that is uh, that is loved. Five years at Bowling Green, basically four years as a starter. That middle year, it looks like he had an injury. So we'll just skip that one because that's the only one without great grades. But 70, 74, 81, and 93. So again, started off good got better every year, ended with a 93 grade. But that's not all. Run defense, 90.3. Pass rush, 92. I think somebody had said, without looking it up, in all of college football, among all defensive linemen, that is edge rushers and defensive tackles, he was the number one graded, def- uh, number one overall defensive grade, number one run defense grade, and I think like number three or number five pass rush grade. We'll probably come across it when I dig around for some notes, but in case we don't, note that. Then you look at his, for example, consistency throughout the year. He had a couple lowish games, but they were all kind of in the beginning of the season. So 59 to start, then 65, then 78, then 58. So his first four games are like, you know, he had one good game mixed in there. Then it's 88, 83, very good. Then a 66, then a 92, 87, 77, 95, 78, and 91. He had... 69 pressures on 386 attempts and 12 sacks. Now, just to be clear, and and sometimes in college, the numbers are a little bit higher than what you'll find in the NFL. But if you're new here, generally the way that I see PFF grades, just based on looking at these numbers a lot, 10% is just sort of that baseline. If you're below that, that's not good. If you're above that, then good. Um, 11, 12% is pretty standard, decent, you know, quality-ish performance. 13-14, real solid. Then you get up into the 15, 16, 17, 18, that's elite stuff, right? Like when Zadarius led the entire NFL and Rashawn Gary was was at the top, we're talking like 18%. Sometimes in college, you'll see guys get up into the 20s, 20%, 22%, right? Boso is probably 22, 24-ish or something crazy. He's at 29%. 29% of the time. 29%? He had a couple games where the pressures weren't there. He had zero against Mississippi State. He had uh, one against Buffalo, one against Ohio. After that, his lowest was three, but half of his season was five or more. Against UCLA, five pressures. Against Eastern Kentucky, six pressures in a sack. Against New Mexico State in the bowl game, six pressures. Against Marshall, seven pressures in a sack. Against Akron, 10 pressures and three sacks against Central Michigan, 11 pressures and three sacks and against Toledo, 12 pressures and three sacks. 
against Central Michigan, he only played 34 pass rush snaps. That is to say, one every three snaps, the man had a pressure. On top of that, one every 11 snaps, he had a sack. You imagine once every 11 dropbacks? That's just stupid. If we look at uh, pass rush grades among edge rushers, fourth highest pass rush grade of anybody, Sean Peterson at FIU, Chop Robinson at Penn State, and DeAnthony Jones are the only ones that had higher PFF grades. Um, Only one of those guys is a 2023 guy, and that's DeAnthony Jones. So in the 2023 class, he's the second highest. Sticking with the 2023 class, he was number one in pressures. Will Anderson was third. In fact, let's just do all of college football. He was second in all of college football with his 69 pressures. Only Braylon Trice out of Washington was higher, and he had one more pressure. He was tied for fourth in sacks. True pass set grade, 91.5. He ranked seventh, still number one in pressures with 41 pressures. Just an absolute demon. Now, I know the the um, quality of the, the teams he went up against were not on the same level as some of the guys that I'm comparing him to, who also had incredible um, statistics, but it's still really, really, really impressive. Another funny thing is Carl Brooks, one of the things that some of the guys thought about on the stream was Mike Daniels, and I thought that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, just a just an absolute fighter. Mike Daniels actually tweeted out about him and said Carl Brooks looks like another day three steal for the green and gold. Sam Holman, sort of the Green Bay Packers Twitter, I shouldn't say Twitter, but uh, Packers community defensive guru says Carl Brooks is an elite value pick. Love this one. Milt Hendrickson made the comment talking about Carl Brooks said at times looked like a man amongst boys, and there's no doubt about that. Again, go find you some uh, some Carl Brooks tape, and that's what you're going to see. Just he's just again one of the things that I really like, and it's why I'm I'm kind of upset that I didn't have him on my list, so I could have had at least one hit. One of the things I've been telling you that I like is somebody that can just dominate the guy in front of him, and I don't know that too many guys did that better than Carl Brooks and freaking Lucas Van Ness. But you know, again, I guess I have no consistency with what I talk about. Milt Hendrickson says it wasn't just the Packers' six-round defensive line Carl Brooks's numbers that impressed, but utter dominance in the MAC. He also goes on to say that's not to say Joe Barry and his crew won't do some different things with him and some different packages. But what I think he is able to do is like our offensive linemen, guys that are versatile, have more value, and end up playing more for us. And I think he can do the same as a defensive lineman. So just the versatility. So no doubt a guy to get excited about. Then we get to Anders Carlson, kicker out of Auburn. I don't have a ton to tell you about him. We can go through his statistics and, you know, I can tell you how they're not great. <laughs> not not that they're bad, but it's just, you know, every time we look at kick, even like the top kickers, like Jake Moody, like, oh, he's clearly elite. I remember looking at it and just going, that's not that good. Like, there's guys that have better statistics. Because that's the problem with kickers. There's only a few statistics. You know, it's what percentage of the time do you make from each spot, distance, whatever. Um, and I'm just amazed at how unimpressive the guys are that are apparently super impressive as compared to the rest of the field, because I just don't see it. Um, Carl Brooks, just, he's fine, I guess, just from a statistical standpoint, but, but I don't know what to look for beyond that. Um, but I will say that the Packers clearly have a very heavy, heavy emphasis on finding the right special teams guys. Um, and we have a guy that I, 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 among all the guys in the NFL, there are a handful that have the amount of experience that Rich Passaccia does. 
And so I like that we have him in the building and in the room to be able to kind of help to assess with these things and find out what the Packers need. I know there are clips of him making some extremely clutch kicks, especially in, in poor weather and all that kind of stuff. And those are the kinds of evaluations that don't really show up on the, the stat sheet so much. You know, there there might be a 40-yard kick that won the game in, in, in a blizzard. And all that shows up is a 40-yard field goal. And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's not impressive, but you don't understand the situation. I do know that um, his brother is Daniel Carlson. He was a kicker for several different teams. Uh, he actually was with the Minnesota Vikings for a while. Somebody had posted a clip of him beating the Green Bay Packers in an overtime game, I think it was. But then he went on to go to the Raiders. And he spent, I think, like four years with Rich Bisaccia. So there is somewhat of a direct connection there. But anyways, the, the only other insight that I got... Um, uh, my half-Mexican lawyer, Blaine, jumped, jumped on the stream very quickly. He had talked to his stepdad, who actually was a punter for the Arkansas Razorbacks back in the day. So he likes to keep up on, obviously, a lot of the special team stuff. And apparently he was super jacked about Anders Carlson. Said that he is just a fantastic player, ice in his veins. And, uh, of course, six foot five, two fifteen. you got to get the J.K. Scott type of special teamer. Otherwise, what are you doing in Green Bay, you bum? So, I mean, we'll see. Again, I, I, I don't have... I took a ton to go off of when you're talking special teamers. Other than to say, I know Dane Brugler, some people were like, oh, he's not even this, that, or the other. Again, Dane Brugler had him as the third best kicker. So I don't know if Dane is just like in the Packers meeting rooms and, and stuff like that, or maybe conversely, uh, Gutekunst hired a bunch of people that are really not good at their jobs. And so Gutekunst is like, hey, what do you guys think? And they're like, oh, yeah, so um, they're flipping through Dane Brugler's guide. Uh, the, uh, what's his name, Anders Carlson? you say Anders Carlson? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He's next on uh, on my board that I have at my house. I left it at my house, but it's there. And I remember because I'm good at scouting and you hired me to be a professional and that's totally what I am. But that's all I got. And um, we got a kicker and that's the way she goes. We'll see how it goes with him. Next up, we go out and get cornerback Carrington Valentine. Uh, Valentine. I keep saying that. I don't know why. 9.3 RAS obviously. As somebody pointed out, we now have Love, Romeo, and Valentine on the team. We also now have Kraft and Colby on the team. So we got Cheese and Love, and um, I mean, I, I suppose they go together somehow. I'm not sure. Cheese and Romance. Nothing says Packers like Cheese and Romance. But uh, Dane Brugler, maybe not quite as high. Well, I guess it's actually not bad. There's just a lot of cornerbacks. Number 28 cornerback, sixth round value, five foot eleven and a half, one hundred and ninety-three pounds. Um, out of Cincinnati, Ohio. He is twenty-one and a half years old. Four 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 forty time. I think um, Clayton posted a video of him running in the four threes. That's the other. A lot of these guys, man. Um, they they put up their 40 times and and it's who was it the wide receiver we had ran in the 44s and the packers are like nah dude he ran in the 43s don't worry about it cuz you got to remember not only is 40 time i don't know if i said this yesterday or was just talking to myself in the shower or however this works but on the off chance i didn't say it i'll say it again not only is 40 time not necessarily a judge of speed i mean you know relatively it is but there's more to it than that but even the 40 time isn't necessarily a gauge of 40 time because it's a test Right, just like that S two test or whatever, when they gave it to somebody and he tested horribly because he was in a bad freaking mood and he didn't feel like doing it and all this stuff. And apparently they gave it to him again and he 
I wouldn't say aced it, but did significantly better, right? And and especially the way the combine is now, once they switched it over to a big television event, a lot of guys are even dropping out of the 40s because they just don't want to do it. And, you know, I mean, you're, you're doing, a, it's a long day. You got drills, you got measurements, you got meetings, you got all this stuff. And then it's like, all right, put on your underwear and go run. You know, and, and you got to remember, the difference between 439 and 444 is literally a fraction of a second over the course of 40 yards. So, you know, not getting a ton of sleep, maybe being a little stiff from sitting around in chairs talking to people all day, that might be able to shave a little bit of time. But even still, again, with that 9.3 RAS, he had good size at 5'11", 193. Nine reps on the bench obviously is not very impressive, but nobody gives two craps about the bench, period, much less for a corner. Elite explosion grade is 39-inch vert and 10.8 broad jumper, both at 9.07. His 4.4440 speed is an 8.52. His 20-yard split at 2.5 is a 9.8. And then his 1.52 10-yard split is an 8.99. But again, if he's running in the four threes, it's just, it's it's beyond ridiculous. But uh, two-year starter at Kentucky, boundary cornerback in Brad White's zone-heavy scheme, still relatively new to the position after moving to corner as a junior in high school. His 2022 tape was a tad volatile with plenty of flashes mixed in with some mistakes-filled games. Valentine is an enticing blend of physical tools and physicality that fits the mold of what the NFL wants at the position but he will lose route phase positioning because of his lack of refinement. Um, Overall, Valentine is long, aggressive, and athletic and has yet to reach his ceiling as a cover man, but his ball instincts and technique are underdeveloped, making his draft grade much more of a projection than others. He projects best as a long-limbed press corner. So the things, without having watched a second of his uh, tape, that I like are the descriptions of being a very physical corner. That's all the DBs I've been liking so far, just these big physical wanting to go up and hit guys. The other thing that I like is he's much like the rest of the draft class, a developmental guy at a position where we're talking about depth. He's got all the athleticism that you could ever ask in a corner, right? He's going to be able to hang out behind Stokes and Razul and Jair and fight for an opportunity to possibly start or play or be a relatively decent backup or who knows what he could be i don't know but it's a good spot for him to be in but hilariously enough the, the one guy that was maybe the uh highest on the pick was um uh bu- 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 what the heck is this freaking oh mel kuyper mel kuyper apparently was hyping this guy up since like the round the third round so when the packers drafted him here is what he had to say you want long athletic corners. Carrington Valentine from Kentucky had a heck of a season. I think he will be a really good cornerback moving forward as a starter in the National Football League. So he was a huge fan. He had him as like the next best player for quite a long time before he finally went off. Which again, really just goes to the Packers kind of, even though it wasn't necessarily my favorite guys, it was a lot of guys that everybody was looking at going, why is he still there? Right, you got Jim Nagy over there who was talking about uh, our our wide receiver, saying, "I don't know why this guy's getting overlooked. He's an unbelievable football player." Packers ended up taking Mel Kiper, saying, "Why is Valentine not? You know, he's he, he's an incredible football player." Carl Brooks, what the heck? He's an incredible player. It's very similar to what we had with Rashid Walker last year, with Kingsley and Igbare last year, with Romeo Dobbs last year. Really high-quality players that a lot of people really liked. As soon as we picked them, like, oh, that's a good one. Which usually doesn't happen for the Packers. Usually the Packers get guys that everybody says is a reach. And we had a couple of those, no doubt about it. But it's just a rare thing. And it, it, uh, 
it's at least something to somewhat get excited about. And yes, I do find here it says Corey Valentine casually running a 4-3-40 at six feet tall. Welcome to the Packers. Now, I have no idea what the uh, official times were. I'm assuming it was not 4-3 flat, but I guess I have no idea. I'm guessing if that was an official thing or even an unofficial thing, it would be under more than just one account. But anyways, it was kind of funny when they asked him about joining the Packers. He's like, I'm ready, man. I think I'm going to be a great fit there. I'm a press man corner. That's what I do. It's like, yeah, I don't know who told him he's a press man corner or that that's what we do here. But um, I appreciate the enthusiasm. That's for sure. Another guy that I really respect is Ian Cummings, writes for PFN. By the way, Pro Football Network graded out all the all the guys and again i know pre-draft grades or or post-draft grades are stupid but it still feels good to get a win pro football uh, network said the green bay packers had the best draft of all the 32 teams and and part of the reason i like it is because again i'm just kind of shocked like i i'm I'm okay with the picks but last year i was elated this year is like i don't know but everybody else is like no 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 he's you know again like the tight ends i didn't like either of the tight ends but again on paper two top five tight ends and one of the deeper tight end classes that's freaking awesome I just, I don't know. Maybe I spent too much time watching it, and I should have just did what I usually do in the past and just go, I don't know, I'll just take everybody's word for it. And I would have been super jacked. Anyways, Ian Cummings says, just drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Big fan of Carrington Valentine. And I think this pick could really pay dividends down the line. That was a, it was a retweet of something that he posted on March 27th. He said, uh, and actually he has a 40 time here. It says, Carrington Valentine ran a 4.38 40-yard dash at his pro day. Is that on here? No, Brugler says it's four 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 at his pro day, but I don't. I, th- that's the thing that the pro days I don't think are laser timed, right? So that's all stopwatch stuff. So different teams probably have different, th- and 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 Brugler as well probably has a different timed. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think even if they do have some kind of a timed thing, I think it's a stopwatched deal. But he said four three eight forty at his pro day. Also had a thirty nine inch vertical and a ten eight broad jump. Incredibly athletic. But even more than that, he's physical. Dictates reps with aggression and can pre- uh, precisely target the ball in the air. <laughs> JJ says Carrington Valentine and Corey Ballantyne both play for the Packers. Maybe that's why I keep calling him Valentine because I think of Corey Ballantine. Is it even Ballantine? Have I been saying his name wrong this whole time? Probably. I don't know. But that's probably why I'm doing that. Anyways, let's keep rocking along here because I'm taking a long time. Next up, we get to another one of my favorite picks, a guy that I haven't even watched yet. So maybe I should just shut up. But I'm, 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 I'm more excited to watch him than just about anybody else. And that's running back Lou Nichols out of Central Michigan. Um, Dane Brugler, not the biggest fan, had him 26th priority free agent. But he is five foot. As soon as I saw five foot ten, two twenty, I said, Yeah, dude, I like this guy. I love the five ten, two twenty guys. Just that low center of gravity built like a freaking bulldog, you know, like a pit bull. Absolute hammer. I saw one clip on Twitter of him plowing into a guy and that guy go bouncing off the ground. You know, like those videos where you have like an adult running with one of those, um, what do you call them, yoga balls or medicine balls? And he runs into a kid and that kid just goes bouncing out of this universe. You know, he like bounces off the ground. That's what it looked like. His name, by the way, is Arthur. Lou is a nickname or a middle name or something. Arthur Lou Nichols. I uh, didn't really do any testing. The only thing he did was a, a vert at his pro day, 37 inches, and a bench press, 22 inch uh, uh, reps, which why not? I mean, if, if you don't really have speed or agility, but you're freaking jacked and you just want to be like, dude, trust me, I'm going to smash people. Check out this bench real quick. Then I get it. But uh, the summary that Dane's got here, a two-year starter at Central Michigan, Nichols was a bell cow back in the offensive coordinator, Paul, Paul Petrino's multiple uh, run scheme. He earned MAC Offensive Player of the Year honors in 2021 with FBS Best, I love this, 
2,186 all-purpose yards and 1,848 rushing yards. But his rushing yards per game dropped from, get this, we're talking 2021, dropped from 142.2 yards per game down to 68.4 in 2022 as he battled injury. So again, another guy that everybody's watching this guy. They got 2,100 all-purpose yards, 1,800 rushing yards, 142 yards per game. And then his, his production dropped off, but it was because of an injury. But still, it's like, I don't give a crap. Did you watch that guy in 2021? Are you kidding me? That guy's a beast. It says, with his blend of quickness and power, Nichols can be a tackle breaker and won't need gaping holes to reach the second level. But he can be methodical at times as he follows his blocks and needs to better anticipate openings before they present themselves. Overall, Nichols is a productive, determined runner with solid feet between the tackles, but his next level potential will be capped by a lack of creativity with the ball in his hands and inconsistent passing down skills. His workhorse approach could get him on the field in the right situation. So obviously with no testing, there's no RAS, but but, uh, here is a snippet of um, Mr. Lou Nichols talking to the folks in the media. Uh, yes, my running back coach for my four years at Central Michigan, he coached Aaron Jones at UTEP. So, man, we used to always watch his cut-ups just because we ran similar runs um, that he did when he was at UTEP. So I'm, I'm very familiar with Aaron's game and AJ's game. I remember watching him coming out um, of Boston College. So definitely just can't wait to get around those guys and soak up as much as I can from them. See, and, and you know, one of the other things, again, there's a lot of, you know, RAS is a big one. Um, you, you look at the characteristics of the defensive linemen and the character. There's so many patterns that the Packers have, but, but uh, you know, senior bowl. Another one, though, seems to be intelligence. Christian Watson, extremely intelligent. Remember, I think it was Lucas Van Ness. Or who, who what, was it Van Ness? Maybe I'm wrong, but he, he got like Ivy League offers. The quarterback they drafted, all about what's between the ears, right? So there's, there's these students of the game, too. Right, we draft the pass rusher, and immediately he talks about the defensive line of the Green Bay Packers and the edge rushers, and yeah, I know all about Rashawn and Preston and all that kind of stuff. We draft a running back, and he talks to the media, and immediately it's like, oh yeah, I know about Aaron Aaron Jones and his time at UTEP because we got the same coaches and we used to watch his cut up, and I also know about AJ Dillon out of Boston College. You know, he knows football. He watches guys. He studies guys. He knows where they went to college. All this stuff. I think that matters. You know, when when you talk to a guy. And he's just kind of like, yeah, man, you know, I play football and I'm pretty fast when I run around, right? But they don't even know what Lambeau Field is compared to a guy that knows players, knows their game, knows their style, knows what coaches and what scheme and what offenses they came out of and what team they're on in the NFL. I mean, they're up on all this stuff. I think that's a big deal. And the Packers seem to be hitting on several of them. Because honestly, it's impressive. Because if you talk to me right now, you know, okay, I just got drafted to the Raiders. Tell me about their linebackers like freaking oh, i i don't know is nick morrow there I, I i have no idea i really have no idea is kwiatkowski still there i don't know i can't remember tell me their number one and two running backs there like well i got one of them i don't i don't know though um the goat house on twitter he's got a kind of a goofy youtube channel but he says another good pick for the packers lou nichols was my favorite late sleeper running back in the class he's got rb1 build ran wild in 2021 Tyler Brooks said, Lou Nichols runs like fit Eddie Lacy. But anyways, after that, we ended up taking Anthony Johnson Jr., defensive back, Iowa State Cyclones. There's a little bit of confusion as to, well, a couple things. First of all, which Anthony Johnson it is. It's the Iowa State one. 
Um, but then second of all, what position he's going to play seems like it's maybe the first safety off the board, but he played a lot of cornerback. Obviously that's standard for safeties. You're going to play, um, deep middle of the field. You're going to play slot. You're going to play in the box. So it's just kind of a matter of, of what proportions you're going to be playing as, as far as what, where the team sees you. But number 17 safety on Dane Brugler's board out of Iowa state, fifth, sixth round, uh, grade for him. So another great pick for the Packers on that one. 5'11 and a half, 205, 23.4 years old. Uh, he played defense as well as uh, offense as in uh, high school, where he had seven touchdowns, three receiving, two interception touchdowns, and two punt return touchdowns. Yay, more special teams. Lettered in track, set personal best, blah, blah, blah. Overall, Johnson might not have a sky-high ceiling at the next level, but his character, experience, and functional size speed traits raise his floor and will keep him earning an NFL paycheck. His game and journey are reminiscent of Rams 2019 seventh rounder Nick Scott. But he's another high RAS guy. He's got an 8-1-3 RAS. Uh, 40-yard dash was 4-5-4, but his 20-yard, 10-yard split were fantastic. His vert and his broad were were also fantastic. And then uh, overall size was okay. Agility was okay. But uh, Anthony Johnson is another one of those guys that was projected to go, you know, mid-rounds, you know, maybe third, fourth round, and Packers get him in the seventh. Now, Again, generally speaking, it's not because NFL teams are stupid and don't know better. It's because we were wrong about something, but still something to get very excited about. And there's a reason people liked him in the third, fourth rounds, whatever flags or issues there were that made him fall. There's also got to be some pretty awesome upside. But um, yeah, I don't have a ton of other information about him, but I will say he's very well known for having being a really high character guy. I think Brugler might have alluded to that a little bit. But all right, let's get to our last little fellow here. The last draft pick goes by the name of Grant DeBose, wide receiver, Charlotte 49ers. He is the Samori Ture of our group this year. But uh, Monsieur Grant DeBose, uh, the 27th wide receiver on the old Dane board, fifth, sixth round grade. So again, really solid value there. Um, six foot. Two, 201 pounds from Montgomery, Alabama, 21.85 years old, one of four kids, multiple sports, you know the routine. Actually went to high school with Malik Cunningham, who was his quarterback. Uh, also teammates with Cam Taylor Britt, which is kind of funny. Not ranked, coming out of uh, high school, no scholarship offers. Ended up signing with Division II Miles College and signed with the program. After coming off the bench as a true freshman in 2019, he elected to transfer after Miles College canceled the 2022 season because of COVID. He returned to Montgomery and worked three part-time jobs, including Walmart, as he looked for a new opportunity. After sitting out the 2022, or, excuse me, the 2020 season, DuBose had an opportunity to try out at Charlotte on the recommendation of a childhood friend, James Foster, who was a backup quarterback at Charlotte after transferring from Texas A&M. After impressing coaches uh, during the tryout, DuBose joined the Charlotte program prior to the 2021 season. His older brother, Dean, played college basketball at Tuskegee. After the 2022 season, DuBose initially entered the transfer portal with plans to play college football somewhere else in 2023. But he said he woke up one morning and the light bulb came on to enter the 2023 NFL draft. And the rest is history. And he, by the skin of his teeth, got drafted. You imagine how like nerve-wracking that is? You're determined to go back to college. You know, you're going to see if you can get to a bigger program, get your, you, you know, get some tape out there and really get your draft stock up. And you make a really big gamble. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all in and I'm going to go get drafted by the NFL. And you watch the first round, the second round, the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round, the seventh round go off. And it's like, dude, 
what if I made a massive mistake? And you watch the first half of the seventh round rip off, and you get down to the bottom, I think, five picks, and it's like, I'm not going to get drafted. You know, I mean, I'm going to end up getting like an undrafted free agency thing. And like, I don't know, man, I might have made a major mistake here. And then boom, your phone goes off and it's the Green Bay Packers and we want to draft you. And it's just, you know, that's that's a cool thing about the draft, man. You know, you see all these things. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's it's sappy and it's stupid. I can't tell you how many times I watch these stupid, sappy videos of these guys getting drafted and I'm tearing up. That stupid Dallas Cowboys drafting the scouts, son, idiot video freaking got me. Tucker Craft, you know, he's a big goofball. I go watch his video, and I watched it right after I found out his dad died in an accident. You see him and his mom. Jeez, I'm getting freaking teared up again. Anyways, I'm tired. I'm sick. Leave me alone. But I mean, this is serious stuff, man. These are these are moments that are indescribable in these people's lives. And you know, again, this is kind of a footnote in his story, but really, it's not. I mean, this is massive. He was barely even a college guy. You know, I mean, nobody wanted him. He goes to some small school, and he kind of plays a little bit. Like, it probably should go back, decides he's going to play, and man, he is right there, about to go undrafted, and he gets the phone call. I cannot imagine the feeling that he had. Brugler says, overall, let's see if there's anything interesting here before we jump to the overall. Uh, he has one, uh, only the fourth player in school history to surpass 1,500 career receiving yards, so there's that. All right, overall, DeBose plays with body fluidity and catch point talent that increases his chances of finding a permanent home in the NFL, although he has work to do to be considered more than just a jump ball weapon or zone beater, he has rotational value as an NFL rookie. And the funny thing, we've, we've heard people check off and, and uh, sign off on all these different picks, right? Mike Daniels really liked one of the guys, and Mel Kuyper really liked one of the guys. So we got one for Grant DeBose, and it's none other than Mr. Steve Smith. He plays all the 204 pounds. He's a violent runner. He'll run around you. He'll run through you. He'll make a difficult catch. He'll catch the ball around you. Great knack of getting open. His run and catch is excellent. The only thing that he needs to do, because he does a, th- a lot of things 100 miles per hour, he just needs to get a better feel of sitting in his own cup. Get him in a building. You'll improve that easily. The way Grant sets up the defender press coverage, he's extremely patient, uses his hands. But what I really love is he stacks the defender back up like he swims bang and it gets back on top he's always in the right place at the right i'm assuming before the video got cut off he was going to say time we also got mike renner he said on the established the run pod last week i said charlotte's grant debose was my favorite day three wide receiver that means starting in the fourth round mike renner would have had him off the board first he said he's got size at 62201 with a 66 wingspan fluidity at a 6893 cone and body control to find a starting role in the league. So anyways, I f- literally feel like I'm dying, so I need to go to bed. I do apologize yesterday for not getting Packernet after dark, because I can tell you right now, I can't do it. It's, first of all, it's almost 10 o'clock already, so it would be very late, and um, yeah, I, just, I need to go to bed. I need to suck on this bottle of NyQuil here and just go pass out for a while, and hopefully tomorrow will feel better. Um, but again, I appreciate everybody. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, and... Um, supporting us and uh just hope you guys stick around because we got a lot to cover and there's going to be a lot more coming up obviously undrafted free agents are a big deal right now who's coming but you guys have a good night and i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye